Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Faith Talk 570 WTBN, Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. What is boasting? Boasting is simply the outward expression of pride. There was a creature who was in heaven and who the Bible says pride entered into him, and that was Lucifer, who we know as Satan. And when pride entered into Satan and he said, I will be like the Most High God, you know what God did? Kicked him out of heaven. He fell. And God would do the same thing with any braggart. There will be no braggers in heaven. There was a TV western over 40 years ago called The Guns of Will Sonnet. It lasted just one season. Walter Brennan played the lead character who, when preparing to draw in a duel, would intimidate his opponents by telling them how fast he was. Then he would say, no brag, just fact. That statement has certainly outlasted the TV series, but there will be no self-promotion in heaven. No telling how good we are, how fast, how smart we are. We will be too much in awe of the Lord. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and has been serving there for over 26 years. We have been studying the first three chapters of the Book of Romans. Today we are in the middle of a three-part message centered on chapter 3, verses 27 through 31. But we will start our class today in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Hopefully we will all see how important it is that we are unable to take any credit for our salvation. Here is Pastor Steve to begin our class. I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. The Corinthians had a real problem with pride. They had a real problem with a lot of things, quite frankly, but the... the, the Bottom line problem that they had, the source of their problems were, were pride and arrogance. And that led to a lot of problems and difficulties in the church. And immediately as Paul starts his letter to the Corinthians, he wants to tell them where their boasting should be, not in themselves. He says in verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Now that will immediately bring you humility if you receive that. God says to you, you're not wise, you're not noble, you're foolish. God said there's a whole church full of foolish people here. That's what he's saying. And the base things, not only you're foolish, you're base, you're low. And the despised things, I can imagine the Corinthians saying, cool it, Paul. You don't have to, you know, I'm humble enough. God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. 
But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. You didn't get there by your own. By his doing, you're in Christ Jesus, who has become to us wisdom from God. Why? Because you don't have wisdom in yourself. And righteousness from God. Why? Because you don't have righteousness in and of yourself. And sanctification, redemption. Why? Because you're lacking those things. Christ has become everything you need. And just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And Paul is saying, in, in essence, if you're going to boast, then boast in the Lord, because that's all you have to boast about. We do not boast in ourselves. Anyone who boasts in himself isn't on his way to heaven. He doesn't understand what salvation is. Romans chapter 4, verse 2, speaking about Abraham. For, Abraham. for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Why? Because Abraham wasn't justified by works. That's Paul's point. But if you could get to heaven by doing good works, then that's going to make you a braggart, a boaster, someone who's proud. When Paul says in chapter 3, verse 27, where is boasting? He says it is excluded. You know what excluded means? It means to shut something out. In other words, justification by faith shuts out any boasting on our part. It sweeps it right out, the, out of the house and slams the door shut behind it. No room for it. It just sweeps it right out and slams the door shut. It shuts it out. By what principle has boasting been banished? Look at the rest of verse 27. Paul says, by what kinds of law? And when he says law in, that, in this verse, he means principle. By what principle has it been banished? Of works? Has it been banished by? It can't be by the principle of works. Why not? Because a works type of salvation would open the doors to boasting. Wide open. Let me just tell you something very practical. If we could work our way into heaven then heaven would be the most obnoxious place to be. It would be filled with braggarts, and each one obnoxiously spouting forth their own accomplishments, and I would be the most obnoxious. Listen, you don't want to be around me when I beat somebody in basketball, right, Richard? You don't want to be around me. Um, I don't let a person forget it for two weeks. In fact, I, I threaten to retire, so I go out a winner. I would be terrible that you wouldn't want to be around me. They put me in a little corner all by myself. But you see, that's, that can't be because it can't be that way at all. Boasting will never be in heaven. There will never be any personal boasting in heaven. What is boasting? Boasting is simply the outward expression of pride. There was a creature who was in heaven and who the Bible says pride entered into him, and that was Lucifer, who we know as Satan. And when pride entered into Satan and he said, I will be like the Most High God, you know what God did? Kicked him out of heaven. He fell. And God would do the same thing with any braggart. There will be no braggers in heaven. Heaven won't be like that. But I'll tell you, what will heaven be like? You turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. You see, we see a glimpse of what heaven will be like. The Bible says, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain, speaking of Christ, the Lamb of God, and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Listen, the scene in heaven. We're given a scene in heaven. And when we're given a scene in heaven, in Revelation 5, it's people who are worshiping the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy art thou. They don't sing that, that we're worthy. 
They give praise to him. Attention is away from ourselves in heaven. And that's the way it's going to be. One of praise to Christ because they know that salvation is based on what he has done, not upon what they have done. And that's what we'll be doing. We'll be praising God. It's not the only thing we'll be doing in heaven, but that's one of the things, never praising ourselves. So the principle of works doesn't shut the door on boasting. It opens it wide. So Paul says, the end of verse 27, is it of works? No, no, it can't be. But by a, the principle of faith, it's faith. If salvation is a gift from God that's, rece that's received only by faith, then what's there to boast about? Nothing, nothing. Someone says, well, I'll boast about my faith. No, faith is a gift from God too. Faith is a gift. Listen, you didn't turn to Christ on your own. You have people say, I found him. You didn't find him. He wasn't lost. We were lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We already have read in previous times, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and verse 11 says, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. If nobody seeks after God, how's anybody going to put their trust in the Lord? No, God does the seeking. You say, I don't understand that. Well, then you're in my club, because I don't understand it either. But I do know this, that faith is a gift from God. And so you can't even boast in your faith. Salvation is not a reward for our faith. Don't, don't get that confused. The Roman Catholic Church believes that, but it is not. It is not a reward. Salvation is not a reward at all. It is the instrumentality of faith that God uses. It is just a tool, but even faith itself is a gift from God. Otherwise, faith would be a work, and we could be boasting about how, how great we are in faith. We have nothing to do with our salvation. True, genuine salvation is a very humbling experience. When you realize that even faith is a gift from God, and we don't even understand exactly how we receive that, but we trust. It's very humbling because you, you have to come to the end of your pride. That's why salvation is so very, very difficult. We have to come to the end of our pride. Jesus said, unless you become like a, like a little child, you cannot be converted. He didn't mean you start making gurgling noises. He simply meant that, that we're humble and totally honest. And we don't try to cover up. A child is totally honest, usually at the wrong moments in life, but totally honest. Matthew 5, 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means bankrupt in spirit. Those who are on their way to heaven are those who realize that they can't get there on their own. They are bankrupt in spirit before God. See, this truth goes against the grain of everything we've ever been taught. See, our society says this, look, be a self-made man. Lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. You're moving up the ladder of success. The commercials on television try to portray that. You're on your way. They don't say where you're on your way, but you're on your way. And the assumption is you're on your way up the ladder of success. That's why you ought to drink a certain beer, which if you try to figure that out, doesn't make any sense. But yeah, if you're, if you're one of the people on the way up the ladder of success and your salary is increasing and you, you have new suits and, and, and you're doing this, and then this is the way you are and you're moving up. Do you know what happens when you reach the top rung in the ladder? You look down upon everybody else. They're the little people who haven't made it. They're the common people. And, and pride is so, so massive in our, in our hearts. 
We look at the others and we say that they are simply the masses who are still struggling to get ahead. But I've made it. You've made it by your own accomplishments and you're filled with boastful pride and then you hear the gospel of grace. And the gospel just cuts through that and it crushes your pride and accomplishments and puts you on the same level as all the other people, all the little people, the common people, right? It just crushes your pride because you realize that you're no better than anybody else in God's sight. The company may may give you a raise in pay. Uh, people may call you by certain titles, but you are, before God, a sinner, unrighteous and undeserving of his grace. There is an old saying that says no matter who wins the rat race, the winner is still a rat. We tend to get so wrapped up in the scramble for positions, power, and wealth that we lose sight of the fact that everyone comes short of God's standards and needs a Savior. The book of Romans does a wonderful job of showing us why we need a Savior and how He can save us. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff will be right back after we pause to greet those who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse, and we're glad that you could take part in our class today. These daily broadcasts are an extension of Pastor Steve's teaching ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Let's return now to our study of Romans chapter 3 and see how salvation glorifies God. See, that was the main problem with the Pharisees. The Pharisees in, in the Lord's day, they felt like they were better than everybody else. They really did, and they didn't hide it. They boasted, they thought they were better, they bragged. They thought they were just better. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. You need to see this. This is, this is really good. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Jesus told his disciples, he said, look, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. Now, a tax gatherer in that day was hated. Um, he worked for the Roman government and the Jewish people despised him. Uh, Rome would put the pressure on giving your taxes and they, they just felt he was a traitor and they hated him. They were called publicans, but he was a tax gatherer and it was nothing uh, against him personally. It was the methods that, that Rome said he had to use. Uh, so he was despised. He was, he was at the lowest ladder in society and the Pharisee was at the highest ladder. So they both went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, verse 11 says, stood and was praying thus to himself. Jesus didn't even say he was praying to God, he was praying to himself. God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week, I pay tithes of all I, I get. You feel like applauding this fellow. He's just great. Verse 13, but the tax gatherer standing some distance away, why? He was too humble to even come into the inner court of the temple, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There was repentance. There was humility. There was genuine salvation. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified, declared righteous rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. What is the Lord saying? He's saying that, that there is no room for boasting. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. In Romans chapter 3, the message of salvation through faith eliminates all boasts. And how does it glorify God? Now here's the point. It exalts the very grace 
of God. It glorifies God. It does not glorify man. If you could get to heaven by your works, then who would be glorified? You. See, this is the difference between religion and Christianity and Christ. Someone involved in religion says, look at me. Look what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. But a true Christian says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he never forgets that. And I'll tell you why I say he never forgets that, because he constantly needs to be reminded of that. Because even genuine believers can get this holier-than-thou, self-righteous attitude at times, in which they think of themselves as better than others. God hates self-righteousness, and Christians need to be reminded of the grace of God. The moment that you begin to look down upon people who are involved in, in sins that you were never involved in, perhaps homosexuality, prostitution, criminal activities, you name it, those things that we would say are horrible. The moment we think that we're better than them, and you've denied the grace of God in your life, because you're in essence saying, well, at least I didn't do that. Big deal, you didn't do that. You're not gonna to get to heaven by what you did or what you didn't do. The only grounds for our acceptance before God is his grace and his grace alone. Salvation by works glorifies man. Salvation by grace through faith glorifies Christ. It, it points to him, not to us. It points away from us. It, it glorifies him. It shows him off. It exalts him. No boasting. That's what Paul says as he explains this in verse 28 of Romans chapter 3. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of of the law. Paul says, we maintain it. We've taught this. You go through Romans chapter 3 and you'll see it. We've taught this, Romans chapter 2. Paul says, we maintain it. We don't move from it. We don't budge from this. This is the meaning of the principle of faith. And it is one of the key verses in the Bible. Romans 3.28 is one of the key verses. In fact, uh, Martin Luther, the German reformer, when he translated this verse, you know what he did? Sneaky Martin Luther did this. This is how he translated it. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith only without the deeds of the law. Now, when the Roman Catholic Church saw that, they went wild. You know why? Because the word only is not in here. And there was a tremendous dispute as to why Martin Luther would do that. Now, Luther was inaccurate in his translation, but he was accurate in his theology. The word only may not be here in the original text, but that is the point. That is obviously the point. That works don't enter into it. Justification is by faith and only faith and not by any works that we do. In fact, speaking about Martin Luther, he was so adamant about this truth and so consumed with it that my, my own feeling is that because of that, he failed to see another truth in Scripture, a truth that balances this out. And I think it's important we go over this. Would you turn to James chapter 2? James chapter 2. Very important. I think everyone here should turn. It's towards the end of your New Testament. There's Hebrews and then there's James. Chapter 1, chapter 2. Look at verse 24. Now remembering, Romans chapter 3, verse 28 says this, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. James chapter 2, verse 24 says, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. You might say, uh-oh. Contradiction in the Bible? Well, this verse has been used by many to say that the Bible contradicts itself. 
People say, look, there's a, there's a problem. There's Paul versus James. Who are you going to go with? Martin Luther felt like the letter of James was, was really not inspired by God and, and should have been taken out of the canon of Scripture. He calls it a right, strawy epistle, an epistle of straw. But it isn't a contradiction at all, and I, I don't want you to feel that in any way. It is not a contradiction at all. In fact, both James and Paul supported each other. They're talking about the same thing, but they're coming at it from different angles. Let me explain. James is writing to hypocrites in the church. James is, is writing to a group of, of Jewish people who claim to be believers, and some probably were, but there are others who were not. And the theme of James' little letter is this. If you've got the root, then let's see the fruit. That's really the theme of James' letter. If you're real, then let, if you have real, genuine salvation, then let's see it demonstrated in your life. These were people who claimed to be leaving Christ, but they really didn't have saving faith. Look at verse 14. James says, What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Now, is James saying that a person does have faith? No. Look at it closely. What use is it, my brethren, if a man... What? says he has this person says he has faith he doesn't really have it and james says look can that faith say in other words can that kind of faith save him no not at all not at all because that faith is not real genuine saving faith this person doesn't have faith he only says he has saving faith if he had true faith in christ it would be evident by his works but it's not so james says can that kind of faith save him no the answer is no, because faith that doesn't produce godly works isn't real faith. It's merely intellectual knowledge and agreements about the facts of Christ. Look at verse 19. You believe that God is one, he says? Good, you do well, great. But the demons also have this kind of belief, and they shudder. And he says, you ought to also. In other words, these people just had an intellectual agreements about certain facts. They believed there was God. They believed there was Christ. But that's not what true saving faith is. The answer is no. A pastor I know writes about this. He says, and I think this really illustrates what James is saying. He said, once a lady became very distraught with me after I told you the gospel of Christ, of the free grace of God and the preferred gift of eternal life to those who would trust or believe in Christ. She sat up indignantly in her chair and said, do you mean to tell me that I have to, that all I have to do is sit here and say I believe in Jesus Christ and I'll go to heaven? My answer was, no ma'am, that's not what I said. She asked, well, what did you say? And I replied, if you will believe or trust in Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life as a free gift. She said, you said it again. All I have to do is say that I believe or trust in Jesus Christ and I'll go to heaven. Again, I answered, no, ma'am, that's not what I said. I didn't say it now. I've never said it in the past under any circumstances to anyone, anywhere, at any time. I have never made such a statement and never will because it is absolutely false. She asked, well, then what did you say? I said, I did not say that you would be saved by saying that you believed in Christ, but rather by believing in him. We have all seen news clips where a reporter or political candidate will partially quote someone in order to make it appear that they said something that in fact they did not say. They lift a statement out of its context and place it into a context of their own invention. Those who claim that the apostles James and Paul disagreed about salvation by faith 
have done the very same thing. And Pastor Steve will show us one example on the next verse by verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His practical messages make the transition to radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's class again, or share it with a friend, come visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have today's program, as well as many previous programs, available for download or listening online. While you are there, we encourage you to take advantage of our free podcasting service and our complimentary newsletter. Our lesson today was the middle of a three-part message from the first three chapters of the Book of Romans. If you like to hear sermons all in one piece, this one and others are available on cassette or CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. There is a lot of confusion about the relationship of God's law and salvation by grace, and that confusion is understandable. If we are only saved by grace through faith, apart from the works of the law, then is the law nullified? Some people say that it is. Some people say that the law is still somehow in.